welcome to the NOLA Drink Show. Join us as we explore the world of drink, food, and culture in New Orleans and beyond. Here's your host, Brian Diaz. everybody hey welcome to the noah drink show brian diaz here with you thanks for joining me friends our first show here in 2024 i certainly will not say happy new year because we are well into february but what i will say is happy carnival as we are on the doorstep of mardi gras in just a few days depending on when you're hearing this and it's always a good time down here in new orleans of course when carnival is on and this year is no exception Looking forward to getting out and checking out some of the festivities here in the next few days. So, uh, hey, if you see me roaming the streets of New Orleans, come and say hi. We'd love to tell you happy Mardi Gras. But, uh, hey, friends, uh, got a really good show for you this time around. It's one we've been bringing you every year. This is the fifth iteration there. Of we are chatting with our friends at Turning Tables, the very fine nonprofit organization founded by my friend Ture Folks. Uh, they advocate for black and brown individuals in the bartending, uh, hospitality, and drinks business industries. And, man, they have just done, they've set the world on fire as far as I'm concerned, in my humble opinion. The work they're doing is so critical. It is so important. They have grown. They have touched so many lives. They continue to touch so many lives. It's just really, really it's a great story, frankly, and I've had the uh, great honor of being able to tape a show with them every year since they started, going back to year one, and uh, it's just, it's great to just see what they do, and it's great to see how they've grown, as I just said, and um, the wonderful individuals that are that make up the leadership of the organization are terrific, and the wonderful individuals that go through the program and what they've gone on to do are also amazing and terrific. So what we got coming up here for you on this program, as we've done uh, pretty much every time, is uh, we chat with some of the organization's leadership. I mentioned Ture Folks, also Jeffrey Wilson, Sean Williams, and Ari Nicholas, and that's in the first segment. And then uh, after that, we chat with three of the recent externs, three of the recent graduates uh, from the program, which are uh, Chelsea Reed, Francisco Murata, and Tyree Brown. And uh, it's always fun to talk with the recent graduates or graduates because they've had such a great experience and they're, they're fresh off of it. And they share, you know, what went on, what they're passionate about with the program, things they've learned, discovered, things that maybe surprised them. So we, uh, we do that too. I do want to give a special shout out to our friends at Bacchanal Fine Wine and Spirits. It's a terrific place. If you've never been and you're in the New Orleans area, you need to go check it out. It's a wine bar. They got a retail shop. They got live music. They got food going on, a beautiful outdoor area where you can sit when the weather is nice. And, they're just passionate about wine and spirits and food there, and, and they're passionate about hospitality as well, and they were gracious enough to host us for taping uh, this show. Uh, I'll, I'll run down at the end of the show, too, where you can uh, catch them online, but uh, I do highly recommend anytime you're in the Bywater neighborhood of New Orleans, it is a necessary stop, man, Bacchanal Wine Friends. Hey, we're going to take a, a brief break here, and then we're going to be back with our featured interview, Chatting with Turning Tables. Come on back. All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. Brian D is here with you. Thanks for joining me here on the NOLA Drink Show, friends. Yeah, our first show back in 2024, so I may lose command of my English, which happens to me all the time anyway. But uh, hey, really glad to bring you this show. As we have done now, I believe, five years, maybe six, we were having this conversation 
running. Four. Uh, talking. I'm done four years. Four? <laughs> this is five. This is five. This is five. This, I think this is five. We are a number five right now. We are a number five with turning tables. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's actually been a really great privilege of mine to be able to talk with this wonderful organization over the years and kind of, uh, Therese, you said this, um, sort of be the audio documentarian of, of what you all have done, at least in some fashion. Yeah, uh, for sure. But let me, let me, let me introduce everybody. I'll, I'll be Terry, since I mentioned you, Terry, folks who founded Turning Tables. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing, doing good. It's good, good to see you. Good to see you always. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> and uh, Sean Williams. Hi, Sean. Hey, what's up? Not too much. Sean, you were on not too long ago with me with, with Jackie Blanchard at Sukebon because yeah. you are a sake expert and... We were just talking about running that back because we owe people a part two. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. And you know what? Since you brought this up, Sean, um, at the bar before we started taping here today, let's why don't we set the record straight now and then we'll do it again. Yeah. So go ahead with this with the yeast thing. Okay. So in the, <laughs> the last time I was talking, I said that the most popular yeast used in sake making is yeast number nine, and it's number seven. Okay, and and you that has been keeping you awake. For many months. For many months now yeah. since we did that show. I'm so. still stressed out about it. All right, you feeling better though? <laughs> a little bit. Okay, cool. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jeffrey Wilson. Jeffrey, how are you? It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. After it's, midnight. It's, it's good to be here. It's, it's after midnight. It even though it's afternoon. It's afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> it's, good to, it's, it's, it's good to be back here. Awesome. It awesome. It's supposed to be back here. Absolutely. It's always good to see you, my friend. Yeah. And do this show. And uh, Ari Nicholas. Ari, how are you? Um, I'm good. Cool. Good yeah, lean in there oh, a little bit. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, so when you all talk, just kind of like do a little rotate thing with the, the swivel instead of moving it. There we go. So, uh, Ari, what have you been up to lately since we last saw you? Um, what did I do? Oh, that was so long ago. It was like two years ago. Yeah. I have moved around a couple of different bars, got to figure out what I want to do, got to go to Camp Run Amok with Sean. Yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, cool. Which okay. was a time. It was a good time. It was a time. <laughs> Never. Kentucky is a is a place. It's right. a very interesting place. Right. And then just figuring stuff out. W set. Figuring out what so I want to do. You went to Wakanda too. Cool. Oh yeah, and oh, I did. I and went you to, went to Portland. I went to. <laughs> I like how everyone just knows it's immediately <laughs> white Wakanda. <laughs> but yeah, I went to Portland. Portland was really cool. I really did like Portland though. That's you know, I I was actually thinking about you, Jeffrey, the other day because when you were talking about Portland being the white Wakanda, and then I think you know I live over in Old Mandeville, and it's like a colony of the white Wakanda <laughs> of Portland over there. Yeah, I can totally see that. I can totally see that. So you guys, um, so many things have, have happened with, with Turning Tables um, over the years, and the past year, of course, is, is no exception. Um, but I guess I'll throw this to you, Terry, to start, because um, we, we do this every time we do this. For those who have never heard the show before with y'all, uh, tell us what Turning Tables is in a nutshell and just a brief background. Um, as, as Jeffrey and I have learned in our like a workshop, um, we advocate for equity and hospitality, but it changes over time, you know, like, you know, what our... You know, our mission is the same to provide equity in the hospitality industry for the black and brown community. Um, our first year, I think our focus was just behind bar spaces. And then it's evolved as, as the alumni have evolved. You know, the alumni want more for themselves. So um, some have gone into distilling, some have gone into other career pathways. So um, it continues to become its own thing that that is outside of our mission. Um, additionally, I think we also, um, as, as advocates, continually um, communicate with brands and partners in the industry, um, nonprofits, to, to make this industry better and to make New Orleans better. Is that something, um, 
Terry, that's changed a lot. I mean, I, um, I'm kind of asking a leading question here, but the integration and working with brands, that's grown considerably, hasn't it, since you all started? I mean, we were very fortunate the first year locally. Our brand ambassadors are awesome. Um, you know, Steve Wilshire, Adrian Crumpton, who's no longer in the industry, but is worth mentioning, Phil Minasal. Um, we had incredible support the first year from local brands. Um, Rulasan, to name a few, Sazerac House. Um, there's a lot of local support that's, that's quite amazing. And um, over time, I think when we were uh, huddled up uh, during COVID, there was a lot of brands that were, you know, didn't have anything else to do and then reached out. And so we have built some relationships with some other people. Um, Campari has always been a relationship, but since then, Holding & Co., um, Pernod Ricard, uh, to name a few, um, as well as Casa Lumbre, some, like, some big name brands, Bacardi. Okay. Um, so over time, uh, we've got relationships with them locally and nationally. Tails, Tails is a natural hub for Tales a lot of things. Yeah. yeah, for a lot of things. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, your, your, your main staple, uh, Bourbon Fest, you know, we formed partnership with Uncle Nearest over time, mm -hmm. things like that. So these partnerships continue to grow um, locally and nationally. And so those experiences and those, those opportunities also grow. So um, this year, uh, we've had the opportunity to do a lot more things like Sean, for instance, can speak to that in a little bit. But uh, we went to um, Nashville as a part of our first takeover, and that was a multifaceted brand effort. You know, we were able to be sponsored by Uncle Nearest, but then, you know, Campari was a part of it and some other, some other supporters. Um, but it was an amazing experience for the five individuals that went, but more importantly for us in terms of visibility and growth for the organization. Yeah. Awesome. Je Jeffrey, when, when you, uh, when you are working with brands now, can you maybe give us a little flavor with some of the things that you're that you're doing with them as far as how you're educating them and what they're getting from you and maybe what you're getting from them that has also changed over the years um before it was more of a sales pitch but now they've been more purposeful in who they're talking to these days um it's not just the normal things that they were used to and we've asked them to try to realize who their audience is and who they're talking to these days um, they've supplied us with tools. Um, they usually have their brand ambassadors down and to like, uh, this past Halloween, Benny from, uh, wild Turkey, uh, took some of the cohorts out, you know, on Frenchman street, just because, you know, he just wanted to do that. And that was something that was fun. They've, they've, whether it's Portland or Louisville or Nashville, you know, we know these people and they, when they know that we're coming, we can hang out with them. And I mean, it's not just Tere or myself, it's, it's Sean, it's Ari, it's everybody who's within the program who has met these people before who are able to go ahead and have this relationship with these people. Because before it was, it was who Tere knew and who I knew, but now everybody knows everybody these days. So Sean can, Sean can tell you that, you know, they know these per this person and this person and this person, and they, they know about who we are and what we do. That much is certain. And, and actually, since, you know, you just mentioned this, Jeffrey, to you, Sean, you know, as you've gone into the world of sake, I'm assuming that that, you know, was a, a nice natural extension for turning tables to get into the, the world of sake. And how has that gone for you as far as you, you know, coming out of this program and then now being a leader with the program, moving into something that you're passionate about? Mm -hmm. I mean, tell us about that journey, because I'm, I'm assuming oh. turning tables set you up for this a lot. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm like, that's so loaded. 
Um, you have some time. Well, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so I think before I talked about coming into this program really loving rice but not knowing what to do with that information and going through the program is kind of what gave me a little bit of direction and guidance. Um, still didn't know I would be doing the things that I'm doing now, but um, I came in loving rice, not knowing what to do with it, was able to, from there, I guess, take the um, sake WSET level one. Um, that kind of introduced me to more people that are in that world because there aren't a lot of sake people in New Orleans. So um, I didn't have a community or anything to look to. So I started finding that online, which allowed me to grow more and more. So like I have like, uh, there's a sake discord, um, which is like a, for people that don't know what discord is, it's like an internet chat group that's very specialized, I guess, like mm -hmm. niche mm -hmm. groups. Um, found people on Facebook, on Instagram, um, and just continued to grow that community. And through that, I found different events and things around that I've traveled to, like the Joy of Sake, which is a big event held in Honolulu and in New York every year. Um, just continuing to create community. And then from that, I started teaching. So I teach, I taught a class to Turning Tables. I taught the USBG recently, and I'm about to start teaching at the Independent. Oh, cool. Um, so I just continue to grow, and it all just came from my love of rice, entering this program, not knowing what to do with it, and kind of using the resources and everything around us to kind of uh, build my own path in sake, because we didn't have that. But I just took from what they were doing in other places and like, okay, who is this person in sake? And then find them like that. <laughs> right. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. And, and same question to you, Ari. Like with, with with your journey after you came out, what are what are some of the things that, that you've done? I mean, we touched on it a little bit what you've been up to, but how did Turning Table set you up for success? And then maybe just like allow you to explore for yourself where you wanted to go. And oh, go ahead. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pause. Let's see. I feel like I I. Just like Shaskar, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into 100%. I definitely didn't expect all of this. There's a lot, There's a <laughs> lot a of lot. stuff. Like, it's zero to 100, uh, like, immediately. You go from not really knowing anything to knowing all these things and knowing all these people <laughs> and still trying to figure out, because there's so much to do in the bar world. The one thing people don't understand is that this industry is, like, big. It's huge. And that's the one thing I think I learned the most is that I literally can do anything at this point. Like, I'm still a bit of a wanderer. Like, I'm trying to figure out which part is my exact niche. But, like, I've traveled to Kentucky, first of all. That's wild. <laughs> I've never in my wildest dreams <laughs> I thought that I would go to Kentucky. Never thought I would go all the way up north because in my head, I'm like, it's too cold and I'm from the south. So, we don't do that. <laughs> so, like, actually being able to go to all these places and meet really cool, like, interesting people who kind of helped me like guiding me to where exactly I see myself in this industry because I met a lot of people like at this point I feel like none of us could walk into a room without knowing like 20 people and my friends who aren't in the industry are like how do you know so many people it's like bro legit you kind of can't <laughs> like once you're in it you really really in it it's yeah. a big world but a small world it's yeah. such a small it's like yeah. it's huge but like it gets smaller and smaller every time you make these connections and like meet these people and go to these festivals and go to these programs and start actually connecting with people it makes it feel like a little bit more homey if anything else like okay. you find exactly where you're what you're looking for and, makes any you, sense. and you mentioned Ari that you're, you're you're still kind of in the, the wandering phase yeah. but what are some things that you're kind of gravitating towards um to be honest I really love bartending like I just like creating like not mixology necessarily but like I like serve I like talking to people I like getting to know people through that kind of form of trying to figure out like what do you like as a person and then they start talking to you about everything that's going on in their life, what they want to do, what's going on. So I like the I like the act of the service part. But I also know that like 
eventually I want to probably open up my own place. Like I'm that kind of person that eventually I want to have my own space and make something of my own because I feel like there's a lot of really cool places in New Orleans. But being from New Orleans, it'd be really cool to have a place that's like crafty but also owned by someone who's literally seen the community their whole entire life. Awesome. So hopefully eventually I can get to that. But this economy, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Sam. So y'all, um, and I, I mean, Teray, Sean, since we kind of were throwing this in your direction, um, obviously you guys have been doing, you started in New Orleans, we know that. Uh, and so a lot of the focus when you got off the ground was here. Now we mentioned y'all doing different things around the country and, and beyond. Um, but you've been doing some specific activities outside the area, like the pop-ups that y'all that you mentioned in Nashville. Can you, you guys expand on that a little bit for me? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Nashville was an extension of like the communities they've talked about, like Camp Runamuck. Um, I went as a counselor and I met a woman who runs a bar called The Fox um, in Nashville, which Great is bar. one of the top bars, yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, she kind of cornered me one day and was like, you know, what I think you do is really cool and I would love for you to come to Nashville um, and do a bar takeover. And so we just kept in communication over a period of time and then finally um, that manifested. Um, some of the other things that we're doing and some other communities that we're tapping into um, you know, Josh Davis, for instance, um, has, uh, if you're not familiar, he has an organization called Brown and Balance, which um, spotlights um, people within the bar industry and um, marginalized communities or smaller markets or just in general that you should know. Um, and he it usually uh, happens as a party at Tales of the Cocktail, Portland Cocktail Week. Um, Ari's been featured, I've been featured, Jeffrey's been featured. Um, I think everyone at this table has been featured, yeah. Um, not me. So, so I think, I, I think through, um, and so I think, I think that community in itself has introduced us to individuals like Capri Robinson, who, um, you know, just won bartender of the year, um, and that makes the world all that much smaller. Um, and people are um, wanting more and more to do things that, like you see, like, you know, if, you, if you're paying attention to the fives right now, um, Carlos, my old buddy behind the bar, is bringing in people from other communities and doing a lot of those things. I think we're all trying to make this bar community a little bit smaller. Um, more recently, I went to um, Louisville to kind of explore some possibilities there and some of the people in the bar community. Um, and there's some possible opportunities that might be happening in the future for us there. Right. Do you want to add to that, John, at all? Um, like maybe just the pop-up because you were there in Nashville. Oh, yeah, the, Nash the pop-up was awesome. That was the first Turning Tables pop-up outside, um, outside of New Orleans, I think, right? Yeah, so that was, that was a lot of fun. We got to meet. Um, it's, it's really interesting just to see how the, we call each other squirrels, people that have been to Camp Runamuck. But, like, the squirrel community, just to see, see it in actual action. Like, Teray went to camp, and from that, we were able to go to Nashville and take over a bar and meet bartenders there. Shout out to Pearl Diver. We had a lot of fun with the people there. Um, and just, like, exploring different cocktail communities because you can be kind of jaded by what's going on in New Orleans because we're a cocktail city, but you go to other places and, like, they're struggling to create a cocktail, craft cocktail culture or to just get people interested in cocktails at all because they're very, like, whiskey-heavy and people drink beer and it's like they're not necessarily interested in a mixed drink or they're into, like, their mixed drink and not necessarily going anywhere else. So it's cool to see what people are doing to try to grow beyond that in places that aren't New Orleans where we just, we be drinking. 
<laughs> we just have we have a good time and like the no matter how you drink like it's kind of respected here and like you could just be straight into wine or you could be into craft cocktails or be a beer face or whatever but there's like a place here for you and other places are really trying to create that and it's like refreshing I guess to see that okay and let me ask Ari and I have a question for you after Jeffrey but let me ask you this question Ari because we're talking about New Orleans and you're from New Orleans and, and you mentioned this like wanting to have your own place that is so important for somebody like you to have their own place in New Orleans isn't it and, and tell people I mean why why does that why does that matter um so I was at work the other day and this guy was like he's like 21 he just moved here he's like yeah some some it's impossible to find like an actual local here like someone who's actually from New Orleans so I'm like you're actually talking to somebody who's from New Orleans <laughs> but at the same time I can understand that that like that situation happening because there are a lot of people who've like you know came down here and made New Orleans their home, which I 100 percent think like I don't trying to leave New Orleans is hard enough. By I know once you get stuck here, you're stuck here, <laughs> but it's important to like it's one of those things where New Orleans is, like ingrained in your soul, especially if you're like born down here. So me, I could like trace mine back 50 years, and that's just the stuff that I know about, like probably longer than that to be 100 percent honest, and. It's kind of hard to see myself and all st- on everything because a lot of stuff is like, like multicultural, like integrated in here. But seeing something like just strictly New Orleans or people from New Orleans, it feels like it makes it feel a little bit more like at home. How how, is, how important is it to you, Ari, to be an ambassador then for the the city in the service industry and maybe introduce people to things like if you're a tourist, right? You know the French Quarter, you know Bourbon Street, and we know. New Orleans, the culture is derived from the neighborhoods not called the French Quarter and yeah. uptown and things like that. Is that something that's important to you that you think about a lot? Uh, probably I talk about way too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to lie to you. But it is something that, like, it's very important. It's because it's, like, it's, it's different from seeing, like, because New Orleans seen it from, I'm, like, pre-Katrina, baby, basically. I, like, I was here before Katrina even happened. So, like, I know what New Orleans looked like before. Also, now I know what it looks like after. It's one of those things where it's very important for people to realize that, like, the French Quarter is important and we should keep it. And that all the stuff you see on TV is really cute, but it's, it's Hollywood, it's not real. Like the realness is down here when you go talk to somebody that's from Uptown or from the Ninth Ward or from Araby, like somewhere. And they're even from like, okay, Metairie's not necessarily New Orleans, no offense to anybody. But at the same time. Especially not Jerry. Especially not Jerry. I lived in Metairie for a year. I also agree that it is not Jerry's partner. Within proxy, like people who are yeah. from the Metairie area, like that kind of situation. It's important for all of us to also feel like we still have a part of the city that we all lived in our whole entire life and grew up in and know the most. So it's important for me to represent that with showing people also like the cocktails that were made down here or the, that we could also do it too you don't need to have some fancy thing from new york or a fancy thing from like california and bring it down here and make it most popular thing you could literally have all the homegrown stuff that we have right here and, and draw from it and grow and it draw from, and, yeah and, yeah, and, okay. and expand on it because no was always there's no such thing as like up and coming there was already stuff here y'all just decided to put y'all stuff here too <laughs> so right Okay. We was already come. It was like everything was fun. well. Okay, I'm not. That's a lie. But a <laughs> lot of things were okay. But like it was important to show, like highlight the stuff that was already good here and make it better for the people who also were from here and live here. That, that's really well said because I think lots of times people there's all these conversations these days about people being and I don't want to go too New Orleans centric, but you know down on New Orleans and we need to remember the good stuff that's here and we need to remember 
you know, there's the bad stuff, but there's also the good stuff and the culturally important stuff that matters to this day and not letting that go. Yeah. Like, is critical. There's, and, a, there's a lot of good stuff here. There's a lot of good stuff that was here. There's whole communities that were here that people were thriving in and had a whole bunch of stuff happening. And then the inevitable happened, and then that's how we got here. And it's nothing bad. It's just, like, the shift and change you can see, and I just want to make sure that, like, a little corner is always just stuck. Like, that's authentically, that's New Orleans. Like, right. That's just, right. that's us. And right. that you kind of, you can't take that away. Right. Good one. Thank you. Well said. Um, Jeffrey, to you, uh, because you, you, you are, I always tease you because we've had this conversation offline and on the air. You are a bar industry veteran. Yeah. We're, we're damn near the same age, so I can say so yeah. like this, right? Is that the word? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> veteran. It's old. For, for an old ass person. Old. Yeah. For an old ass motherfucker like me. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good. Fair enough. Biblical. For, for, for an old ass motherfucker like you in the industry. Um, and you've been, and why I want to ask you this question specifically is that you've worked in numerous different places. You've been in New Orleans a lot, but you were in Portland, you were in Chicago. What kind of perspective, what does this mean to you to be involved in Turning Tables, and what have you seen? change and what does this meant to you because i don't think i've ever asked you this like what does it mean to you personally to do this when i when i came down here um in 09 uh there wasn't i didn't find anybody who looked like me in any of the cocktail bars um uh ian and and uh uh travis uh both just graduated from the school of gaming and stuff like that i didn't know um Daniel Victory at the time because I know that he was teaching there and he was also he worked at um, one of the hotels downtown. I forget. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and so th- there was a disconnect kind of because this is like a predominantly black city, but yet there's maybe three or four of us doing this cocktail stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I heard about turning tables through uh, a guy who lives, now lives in Detroit, Steve Yamada, saying about how wonderful this is and then doing research and stuff like that and then serendipitous like meeting Ture at Brown and Balanced, and he was like, can you come back? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna come back. Because it is changing the landscape of it. If you go, if you, like before I got here and you knew that Chris Hanna was gonna open up a bar, you knew that Neil and those kids are gonna expand to other places, we still weren't represented at all. Um, Ian bounced from job to job to job to job. Tell people who Ian from Travis Ian, uh, Ian Julian, who is now running what is do it? Do drop in the new do, yeah, do the drop new in is going to happen, and yeah. then uh, Travis uh, Sanders, who's uh, four also seasons. Four, seasons. Four, seasons. four Seasons, Four Seasons, okay. four seasons. Yeah. great, great bartender, great teacher as mm-hmm. well. Um, but New Orleans also had this thing where black folks were going to be in these places like never moving. Just you get you hit that ceiling and that's it. You you're the server here for life. You're never going to leave. Or you know, like Chris Hanna, Fred seventy five. He was never going to leave. You know, you, you get up to a certain age and you have to wait for that person to come in and get that job after the person retires or dies or something like that. Right, right. So to have now Ari uh, working in various places and Sean uh, being a focal point at Chris Hanna's bar. I mean, let's right. face it. I mean, you see her in the pictures. Right. You know, right. to have Ture <laughs> bringing people from here up to other places and saying that, no, we can do this. Because y'all forget that New Orleans is the birthplace of cocktails. Right. You keep forgetting that. So we're a reminder of that, where it came from. Because now more people that are outside of the community know more about black bartenders because of people like us. Mm -hmm. 
and the history of all of that that has happened, especially here in the city or in Louisville or in Virginia or where, et cetera. We can do, we can do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's hell important mm -hmm. because that ceiling now is not there for a lot of people anymore. And they see us saying that, no, we can do better. We can do better than just, you just go work here until you die and you get that same amount of money and the people who had started before you are gonna be your bosses in five years. Right. Well, and, and, can I, and, and also, I'm assuming, seeing opportunity differently, right? So, I mean, just even not jobs where you're waiting for somebody to die in the generational situation, but actually creating opportunities for people to come in and get a job yeah. behind the stick that maybe wouldn't normally get an interview yeah. in years past. Yeah, because they're, everybody's coming out with education as well. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the program that we teach, we're, we're giving people what was thrown to us and was told to us, like, okay, you're gonna get behind the bar and you're gonna do this. Now I need you to read this book, I need you to read this book, I'm gonna quiz you on this stuff, and if you don't do it, you don't have a job. That's as simple as that's the shit I went through. Mm -hmm. So, and mm -hmm. some of the shit that Torrey went through as well. Mm -hmm. So, it's, it's a different ball game now. And it's starting to come in our favor. Good. Okay. And, yeah. and and look, and, and I will say this. Uh, tilt. tilt. Yeah, tilt, tilt in your favor. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, good. And, and I mean, and, and you guys deserve a tremendous amount of credit for that. Because, but I mean. He does. Well, and you, you all do. I mean, Turi, just because he started the thing, and I mean, I'm going to ask you to expand on that, Turi, in a second. But everybody sitting at this table and everybody that we're going to interview in a little bit, in my estimation, has been part of this journey and continues to expand your journey, right? Yeah. I mean, I think. Um, what I can say, if like I went back and listened to those the, that first year of turning tables, um, and think about oh, the one that we did, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, it was a good record of like how raw this idea was, and um, to what Jeffrey's point is that that like there was lack of equity um, within the industry, and it was serendipitously before um, the second racial reckoning and George Floyd, where I think all of a sudden people started to care about those types of things. And I think now we're coming to that point where I honestly feel like um, there's a ticking time bomb where people really aren't gonna care about it. So that brings more importance for organizations like us to bring it to the forefront. Um, because we've always been about this. It wasn't something that was like something was passing or you know, um, taking, taking, a, taking an opportunity for a part in time um, we've always been about this, but even more now, importantly, to, to, to fight for what we believe in and what this organization is. Awesome. Um, I mean, go ahead, please. And, and to say, like, yeah, everyone in this room is part of this journey, but, like, I think the harder part of the journey is going to be for these next few classes. Um, even though there's more resources and there's more people that we're, you know, connected to, um, We've, we, the, the, the onus is on us for all the things that are like happening in the world and just like the challenges that we're going to face. So meaning it's going to be more difficult to penetrate into further circles of this or? I, I, think, I think we've done the work of creating our visibility, but like when you think about what New Orleans is becoming um, and, it's, and it's still very much shifting towards like if you see the writing on the wall as a, as a New Yorker that like, we'll shift down one street and see it and be like, oh my God, this looks like home. Or, you know, you talk to people and you start to see people that care less and less about um, the merit of like equity um, mm -hmm. and going to more of the same um, 
there's more importance for us to just keep fighting and stay visible and to keep doing the thing to, to make sure that that doesn't happen and go in reverse and that people don't forget. Right. Okay. Well said. Uh, real quick, let me ask all four of you this before we take a pause and we're going to bring in some of the recent graduates in our next segment. Um, let's talk, uh, Sean, I'll go to you first here. Um, what are you most excited about with the future or with turning tables? Like one thing that like maybe you're discussing or something that you're going to do personally coming up. Yeah. What's something that's grabbing you right now? Um, for turning tables, I'm just, I'm really excited for the next classes because I think as our resources grow and people learn about us, we're getting people that, um, because I know in the beginning, I didn't really understand what the program was and I didn't, my thing was, I don't want to be like a bartender forever, so I shouldn't be in this program. This is not for me. There are better people for this opportunity. But I think now that people are seeing, um, a lot of us do take on all different sort of career paths there's this opening of people who have like, they have their own ideas and they, they didn't see themselves necessarily behind the bar, but they are seeing now that maybe they can be a distiller or maybe they can be an educator or they can be an ambassador and things like that. So I think we're attracting a different, um, uh, I don't know, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm a, we're attracting more people than just people that wanted to be bartenders, people that see other opportunities um, within the industry. The, the bigger, the bigger mm-hmm, drinks the business bigger, or the bigger hospitality yeah. industry. Okay. So I think that's really cool because you see people that come in because they met one of us at a bar and we're like, oh, well, I'm doing this. I'm not necessarily always behind the bar. And they're like, oh, that's cool. You know, I know I've talked to people like that that just have their own ideas. So um, that's, really, that's really cool. Um, for myself, I'm going to keep growing, um, definitely in the sake industry with teaching. Um, traveling more, I hope. Um, continuing with my rice pop-ups. Yeah, I guess that's my focus right now. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Ari, same <laughs> question to you. Just you know, like just you know, whether it be personal, whether it be for turning tables, something that you're just excited about here in the next year or so. Um, I think honestly, I'm just excited for the future. I like not knowing what's going to happen next. Sometimes, just so we I don't have any high expectations. <laughs> so just uh, let's go in and just figure yeah. it out. Um. I don't know. I just, I'm really excited to see what happens next in the sense of like the growth and what what has happened since I've even gotten to the program. Cause like from beginning to, I don't know what the first or second year I've heard about them, but like our year was a lot. And then every year it gets to be more and more. And you're just like, by the end of it, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know. This is going to like, but I already knew like ahead of time, just being in the program and being with the people that I've been with and making all these friends that this is like something way bigger than what, a lot of us thought it was gonna be and it keeps getting bigger and it's just like it's really cool to be a part of like a very revolutionary situation like being part of something bigger than yourself so seeing what might happen like let's just let's stay tuned i'm here to stay tuned (laughs) i like that answer stay tuned cool jeffrey what about you i mean as as a leader of the organization i mean you got some cool stuff coming up that you guys are doing i know certain things we're not talking about maybe but we did the rum that was cool oh yeah um, that, so your, it, was, it was your rum, right? From what I was told. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 100% made it myself. I squeezed the sugar cane. Yeah. And got it in within 24 hours. Got so it in within 24 hours. Because it's an agricole. So shout out, <laughs> shout out to Zeno for, for making a suggestion that because they wanted to do more for the community itself, and since I was bitching to them about they don't have 100 proof rum. They. They. Who's they? They. Oh, Porch Jam. Porch Jam. Well, Porch Jam. 
um, Wilson the, the, the rum, <laughs> the, the rum, the rum that they have is called Cherami. So, uh, so because Cherami wasn't a hundred proof, th that was just a, a, a good idea to, to try to do that, to raise money for us. I'd also have awareness all around the state that there are people out here in this little nucleus of new Orleans that are doing some good for the city. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And Terry, what, what do we need to be on the lookout for here? And what are you excited about? You got a lot uh, on your plate, I know. Um, well, the most important thing is, like, you know, I was really excited to see alumni start to um, come into the fold. And just as a part of our growth, I'm going to have to not be as present um, because we, we do have so many possibilities of things that are happening. Um, one thing that Jeffrey didn't mention, well, I don't know if we even talk about that, right? The, the, Okay. No, nah, okay, not okay, yet. okay, okay. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be good. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's gonna be dope. Never mind what I said. We'll save this for a follow up. Yeah, we'll save this for a follow up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stay, stay tuned. Um, as Ari the, most, yeah. the, mo the most important thing is our um, is our is our growth is um, you know means that we're like you know collaborating with more people. You know, like Jeffrey and I are talking to more nonprofit organizations to to kind of collaborate and continue our growth. Um, we've um, expanded to two sessions a year. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, those those are the things that I'm most proud of um, at the moment, and um, some more some more to come. We've made awesome. we've actually made. I mean, we've got a bunch of people who could teach the stuff that we taught them. Yeah. A bunch of alumni is, who yeah. could teach the stuff. Well, that, that's we kind of part of the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's yeah. Five people did. Yeah. In fact, you know, which was yeah, which and was awesome. there's going to be more. You know, um, put together a whole ass lesson and came through and did did something and um, you know probably er Erica Sean yeah um, James Zen and James yeah yeah Zen yeah. and awesome. uh, yeah. oh no 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 James and, James oh yeah and Ari yeah oh and yeah and Ari from last year's class yeah. the other uh, the yeah, other, other Ari. Ari. yeah the other Ari. yeah yeah okay <laughs> cool awesome you guys are doing it's, it's just again thank you because I always I say this every time that we do the show now it's it's so um, personally rewarding to me to be involved with you guys and be able to share the story with people uh, and just watching what you all have done it's just absolutely remarkable and continued success yeah you've been our documentarian basically other than Carlos I'm, I'm happy to be here so thank you for the opportunity y'all uh, we're going to take a little break here. I want to shout out to our good friends here at Bacchanal who are hosting us. I'll give you more information about that. I did at the beginning of the show. I'll give you more information at the close of the show. We're going to bring in uh, some of the recent graduates from the latest cohort at Turning Tables, friends. Come on back. Welcome back to the program. Brian D is here with you. Thanks for joining me on the NOLA Drink Show, friends. Once again, a shout-out to our friends at Bacchanal for hosting us here, the very fine wine bar restaurant uh, here in the Bywater in New Orleans. Uh, we'll have, at the end of the show, I mentioned at the top of the show, how you can connect with them. It's just a cool place to hang out. We really appreciate their hospitality. Um, we're back this time in this segment as I think, Trey, we've done this maybe the last three, four shows at least, where we kind of started out with like you and Jeffrey and then some of the alumni and mentors in the organization and then we we bring in uh, folks who are just recent graduates in the cohort and we're doing that again which is actually always really fun because then we we just get new flavor we get new taste we get new journeys we get new stuff but you were telling me something or telling us something right before we went on the air about this group yeah. so let, let's let's start with the let's start with the names 
and then let's go with the important stuff. Well, Man, it's, it's all important. Yeah, the names. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cisco, we're throwing it to you. <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. Um, full name, my name is Francisco Mawarda, but I'm currently known as Cisco Thong Song for Turning Tables. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> I got to give a shout out to Torrey and Jeffrey for that. Uh, that's my persona now, so I accepted it. There, okay, and next? Um, I'm Chelsea, and I'm known just as Chelsea. Oh, wait, 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 you can't get off that easy. What is it? Uh, See, just Chelsea. <laughs> this is Chelsea. <laughs> All right, if, if it comes back to you, because you, you have something for me. And, uh, and uh, Tyree, the creator down there. Okay. All right, I'm Tyree Brown. Right. Get up close, Tyree. To the oh, shucks. Uh, I'm Tyree Brown. Yeah, uh, I used to go by Toast, but I don't do that anymore. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then, then there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Tori, real quick before we start talking to talking to these guys, um, every class, I mean, we've talked about this before on previous shows, but every class is obviously different, I'm assuming, has its own sort of personality and characteristics as we go through. And you just said something really important about this one. Yeah, I mean, this, this class had each other's back coming in. I think for everyone, it's always a process getting to know each other over the 12 weeks. Um, but for them, it seemed like you know they had their first orientation, and then they came back and almost pretty much like clicked instantly, and were um, in community with each other, looking out for each other um, in a way that was like very intentional, um, very much the kind of energy we want for you know people that just want this industry to be better. And then you think about um, how I've kind of met all of them. Their stories are all very very interesting, but like um, you know joke a lot about Cisco Fong Song, but like, you know, all, all endemic of the industry, you know, like, you know, Cisco will tell you, but, you know, started off as a barback and was not getting promoted and, you know, um, ended up empowering himself and teaching himself. And Tyree has very much the same type of story, but their, their stories are like very, very powerful. And even like Chelsea, um, you know, her brain is amazing and I can't wait for you to like hear like the ideas that she has for like dinner parties and and just like these like like experiential types of things like she just has such vision for things that she wants to do um it's all a very nice eclectic group of people very cool let me ask you this question real quick because we didn't you have a um <clears throat> the applicant pool i'm assuming continues to go up right and that, that's got to be a bit of a challenge to you i mean it's a good thing but then it's also got to be a bit of a challenge right because i'm sure you get a lot of great people who apply how, how do you go about now doing that i mean this this year we had i think it was like 130 people oh, yeah, or something that many. Oh, I like know. it was like it was up there um that applied and i try to like um have it be that so that other people are, are part of the decision i think the first few years i i was very much a part of like the decision making process um and i still am but um narrowing it down we we brought in a lot of alumni for feedback um for the process and um, I don't know how long this will last, but we interviewed every person that we could in person. Um, and I think that relays the sentiment of my college experience, like, you know, where I was, I remember applying for college and um, not necessarily my grades or any of the accolades like spoke so much as like every place that I went to and met the college or talked to a, like a person in, in person, I got into those schools. I think when your personality shines through and you're able to see who these individuals really are, you get like a better sense of what their intentions are, um, or at least that's my sure. mindset around. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. Let me start with you, Chelsea. So, um, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself and and 
why you applied to Turning Tables. I mean, what, what, how did you find it and, and why did you want to do it? Um, so I found Turning Tables through a friend who did the program about two cohorts ago, cohort three. And, and who was that, out of curiosity? Um, Jade. Jade. Yeah, so me and Jade, we worked together and we came up with this dinner series. And then through that, I know that like I wanted to get into event planning and wanted to be an event manager. Um, and because I'm working in restaurants, doing that on the catering side instead of like the like event production side kind of thing. And really wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about before getting into a role of management and a role of leadership. I don't want to be able, like, I don't want to manage a bar team not knowing how to bartend, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like where I'm at now, where I'm trying to just gain as much experiences in the roles of people who I hope to one day manage. So how do you manage runners if you never food run before how do right. you manage busters if you never bust before so that's kind of where i'm at right now doing like laying a lot of foundational work and coming into turning tables was that so i know that like ultimately i don't want to be a bartender forever but i do want to know that skill set i do want to have that experience that i could fall back on and train people properly where are you from chelsea new york city originally okay and cool and have you worked in the service industry for a long time no so i actually have a background in education nonprofit education i did that for 12 years before COVID happened and then that year of COVID 2020 2021 when schools were reopening it was really hard for me to do this um to keep doing that work with i think i think like integrity of like those who i was managing because i was managing um i was working at uh I was managing AmeriCorps people. So they're like okay. 18, 19, 20, mm -hmm. getting paid $12,000 a year and like being told to go to a school that is not following COVID protocols. So then it was like, wait, this doesn't feel right. I have a lot of students, a lot of my students have health issues. My team had health issues. So that felt like I was putting their lives at risk and I was getting accommodations for myself to stay home and not be there. And I was like, this is not in alignment with like my values. Um, and then also just had a lot of anxiety working in nonprofits. So, I think in terms of like entering the service industry, it made me feel like more connected with myself again in a weird way. And so that was something you were attracted to before and wanting to get involved in, or was that just kind of a natural extension so of where you were So that happened, I started off as a barista and my roommate managed a coffee shop and I was like, look, I'm just stuck in my house right now and I'm not doing anything and I, can I be a barista and can you train me? So I started off and I was just getting paid $12 an hour. I wasn't getting tipped out. But it brought me community. Was that here? I'm that, sorry. Was here. Yeah, that was here. Okay. Yeah, so it brought me community. And then from there, I realized I just love the type of community that you're able to build in an establishment like that through food, over drinks and stuff. So Okay. Presenting yeah. a room and hot. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Tyree, same, same question to you. Like, how did you find Turning Tables and what made you want to get involved? And tell us about yourself, man. Oh, man, it was, it's been a journey, uh, is the, the way I put it. Um, after a few years of bouncing in and out of restaurants and uh, brewery specifically. Okay. Uh, I took a job bar backing with a friend at this rest at like this uh, bar in the CBD. Um, and on my second day, uh, the bartender I was working with quit and the owner walked up to me and was like, Hey, do you want to, <laughs> you want to, Bartend, and I was like, "Yeah, well, I know how to make a margarita and an old-fashioned, and uh, there you go. That's what people are going to be drinking today. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bad shops, I guess. Um, so, uh, getting bit by that bug, and then talking to a couple people, uh, I like had heard like rumblings about it, and uh, I like 
knew Ari before and, you know, had run into some people that were in the program. Um, but uh, I was working a shift one day. Some A guy was sitting at my bar, and he was like, hey, you should check out Turning Tables. So I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, the deadline's on Monday. This is like Saturday. I'm like, all right. Sunday comes um, out at a bar with a friend. Uh, and, like, I'm just kind of, like, joking and, like, you know, laughing with a couple of people at this bar. And I meet Saray. And I go, hey, man, like, what do you do? You look really familiar. I can't, like, place it. And he's like, oh, I run turning tables. I run this thing. And I'm like, oh, I just heard about that yesterday. <laughs> he's like, you need to apply. I was like, I should. Okay. So I apply the next day. Uh, we interview, like, maybe three days after. <laughs> we start a couple weeks after that. And, uh. It's just been, I'm not going to say downhill, but the ball started rolling. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> you feel like right snowballing. Snowballed. Yeah. Cisco, what about, what about you? Uh, so I actually took a break from the industry for a little bit, and I got the opportunity to um, bar back for this hotel. I knew if I got back into the industry, I wanted a bartender. I was like, I didn't want to serve or anything like that. So I took the job. I spent like two or three months. I was like, I'm gonna keep my head down. I'm gonna work my ass off because I always had the work ethic in me. I was like, I'm gonna show them, you know, what I'm capable of. By like month five, I realized, okay, you know, they need bartenders. They're hiring bartenders, but they're not staying. They're leaving. I'm like, but they're not giving me the opportunity. You know, I had all the bartenders there vouching for me. I had some of the managers vouching for me, but one specific dude just didn't want to give me the opportunity. So I got to a point where I was like, look, either y'all let me bartend or I'm leaving. I could go apply at another bar with everything I've learned here already. I was like, it's not a problem. So they actually pushed me through. Uh, they went over him to push me through the bartend. Okay. Yeah. And my first shift ever, I actually worked with uh, Ari, who y'all interviewed. That was my first bartending shift, thrown to the wolves. I had no idea what I was doing. I, like, I had two training shifts. I had no idea what was going on. Could you make a Rita or an old-fashioned? Uh, no, 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 not at all. It's one of those, oh, what you want? Yeah, I got you. I'm turning around, like, whipping out my phone. What, what, what is it? I don't know. What, but for everything I didn't know, I had so much fun. I actually enjoyed that first shift. And she's the one that specifically told me about, hey, turning tables, you know. I think she saw the work ethic, work ethic I had and that I really wanted to do this specifically after that first shift. So she told me about the program. I looked into it, and I was like, she was very honest about what it was. She was like, it's going to be a lot. It's like three months of just, like, waking up early, classes. You know, you have a job as well, and then you're going to start another externship. So it, it's going to be hard. I spent three months basically, like, ghosting my friends and family because I had no time whatsoever. <laughs> but... Best decision I've ever made. Easily. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, and I'm going to bring this question back around to, to these guys too. What, what are you passionate at this point? Like now that you've done, I mean, you started bartending, then you got into the program. What do you, what do you dig and what are you passionate about? What do you, what are you thinking right now? What you want to do? Well, I mainly got into it so I could actually be properly trained in how to bartend. Because uh, like, I feel like most people understand you just kind of get thrown into it and you don't really get properly trained. That was my initial reason to join in, but... What I love the most about it is the actual bartending aspect and just being able to communicate with people. Like I love someone sitting down at my bar and having a conversation and seeing where they're from, where their life took them, how they ended up here. And they're always, they're always fascinated when they find out, oh, I'm a local, I'm from here. I was born and raised here, grew up in Mid-City the first like 20 years of my life. That's the main aspect I love is like watching them come in 
whatever mood they're in, you serve them a good drink, you have a good conversation with them, make them feel like a person, and then they just walk out smiling, having a good day. And I feel like that just makes up for a lot of the rough times that the industry has, is that specific thing, at least for me. Okay, yeah, let me ask you an add-on question because I asked Ari this in the, in the first segment. Coming from New Orleans, how, how often do you think about how important that is of being somebody in the hospitality industry and being, people in the hospitality industry are ambassadors for wherever they are, right, and especially here. Is that something that you think about a lot, and is that something that's important to you? I think about it in a sense that, like I, like I said, I grew up in Mid-City for 20 years. My people left, and when I go back and drive by, I see my old house, I'm like, it looks nothing like what it used to be. Like, the neighborhood's changing. The people that like I grew up around with are no longer there anymore. So it kind of feels like, oh, that's not even like my home. I spent 18 years there, and mm. it doesn't feel like the same place. So it's like you want to have certain locals to be able to have their own places that like show that this is still New Orleans, like we are still here. Like even though, you know, things are changing, you know, people are coming in, uh, people with new money are coming in and trying to do their own things. It's still important to be like, look, the locals are here. We started this, so let's continue doing this. And let's show them that they just can't kick us out just because they want to come in and start something. And, and make a connection for people to, yeah. the, to the past and the tradition. Yeah, to let them know like that. this is where it started from. And like, there's still people here that want to show them like, this is the beginning, this is how we elevated it, and we're just gonna keep getting better and better. Like, we don't need any outside influence to come in. We could do it ourselves. Okay, awesome. And, and for listeners out there, yes, we are by a train track here. So, <laughs> so Chelsea, uh, same, same question to you. Um, where do you, I mean, I, you, you've kind of actually touched on this already, but uh, maybe expand a little bit on, on what, what you think that you wanna do and, and where you wanna go. And taking these skills and turning tables yeah. and moving forward. So I came into turning tables really wanting to get into event management. And I'm still wanting to do that. And I am doing that. I have a job working at, for an event catering company. But also, I think I've worked at three separate jobs within the service industry. And at all three jobs, race played a huge issue in how people were treated. Um, and I want to be a part of, like, I just feel like I've, experience a lot of wrongs within the service industry and I'm kind of tired of that and like how do you start to experience some rights how do you right wrongs and I think that getting more black management is super important um, and then also coming up with pathways once pathways once people are in this like in a restaurant they enter in as a busser they enter in as a food runner they enter in as a dish, like dishwasher what are the pathways to get them to the highest position within that within that track um, so coming up with programming and training around that so ultimately, I think it's going to be like me learning different, like different um, jobs within the industry, then getting into management, and then starting to build curriculum around. Okay, so coming, people. so coming from education, it <clears throat> yeah, it's like kind of like a full get circle. The, the <laughs> yeah, thing. it makes, makes, yeah. makes a lot of sense. Bring those two yeah. worlds together, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. And, and Tyree, what about you? What do you? What do you? What are you finding you want to do, and where are you going? Um, so when joining the program, uh, I was under the thought that I really wanted to bartend or manage a bar or, you know, eventually own. Um, and I'm as the days are passing and as I'm spending more time, uh, honestly, just not bartending, <laughs> you know, um, I am realizing that, like, my passion was always for, like, making things. Uh, it was always for, uh, like, I was a home brewer before okay. Uh, okay I had worked in breweries trying to get into a brewing position and then being passed over that or being offered other positions uh, and as we were touring 
uh, different like distilleries and different like uh, you know different distilleries and breweries and talking to like people who were doing these jobs, uh, I felt like that itch again, that little burn. Um, so I think I really want to get into anything with fermentation. It's okay. been something that's been a really big part of my life growing up. Uh, I used to grow my own fruits and vegetables, and I would make my own little pickles, and I'd like make all my little like sauces and stuff like that. And it took until uh, I was legally able to drink to <laughs> realize that that was all like a part of the same thing. Uh, and then actually hey, getting we're, we're in New Orleans. It's cool if it happened before. <laughs> well, I, think, I think that's the thing too. It's like when you come from a drinking culture, I don't think that you get a lot of the history of it right. when you're drinking, unless like the person that's like imparting that or like giving you your first taste of it care about that um and i think that that's something that i really enjoy about this program is that now we're learning to not necessarily just make drinks or like have this little bit of knowledge for ourselves but we're creating moments of uh like history like and we're talking about the history to the people that we're like working with or like serving or just like around Mm -hmm. it's like i'll catch myself at a bar and I'm drinking a beer and then somebody orders something and they have a question about it and now I'm answering the question and I'm like oh shit it's me like here I am you're, you're an integral part of the story yeah, yeah like here we, yeah. so uh, just to circle back I really want to make something <laughs> and I'm not a hundred percent sure what that something is yet. So when Venturi at the beginning called you Tyree the Creator, that's like pretty spot mm. on. Actually, laughing at it first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so y'all give me, and, and you kind of, I think you kind of mentioned this Tyree already because you're talking about where you, where you want to go. Maybe give me like one thing going through the Turning Tables program that was a surprise to you, or something that maybe you hooked on to, or something you hadn't thought about that it opened your eyes to. Oh man, uh, Odovis. Okay. Yeah. Sweet kind of like threw me for a loop because uh, just a thing that I wouldn't have like you don't come into contact with uh, when and this might have just been my family even though like uh, my dad's like a very weird uh, drinker uh, like like and, and I say <laughs> what, that what does that mean exactly <laughs> okay so he introduced me to chartreuse when I was like 12 oh wow okay and then okay. he's like only drank chartreuse and like maybe like wild turkey the entirety of my life like those two things um and so like as i'm like learning to drink and am drinking i like avoided these two things that i really enjoy <laughs> like because you do that you want to reject yeah, the whole thing i get exactly it. Yeah, yeah. so uh so like with my like dad like leading my like uh I, I don't know, like my spirit education as a child into like very like into like liqueurs and like Amaro's and, and stuff like that, because that's the kind of stuff that he was like drinking. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't really thinking about that, like for me, you know, like I was like in the complete opposite direction sure. where I was like, I want to make a Pilsner <laughs> like I okay, want to right. make. Yeah. Like and I'm very so, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to reject then you're like, dad had something going. Yeah. Where are you from, Terry? Oh, I'm from here. I'm, yeah. You're from New Orleans. Also. Yeah, I'm from Corona Seven. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> same same question to you, Chelsea. What what uh, like what, what was maybe something that did you were not expecting? I mean, because it's not you know you, you're, everything you've said to me so far, like you came in with a pretty good vision and some yeah. things of what you wanted to learn and get out of this and where you were going. There's got to be something that kind of broadsided you at some point through the program. Um, 
I think for me, and it's not necessarily anything I learned, it was more so how tired I was. And, okay, uh, right. and I think that like it's, that <laughs> sounds like if you're talking about what I was not expecting, I was prepared to be tired. I was prepared to I was prepared to really hustle during that um, during the time of turning tables, but to come into the program and realize how tired I was and realize how little sleep I was getting and how much running around I was doing, and yet still was very supported by turning tables. I think that is like a level of support that you don't necessarily get in other fields. And people will be like, look, you're too tired to do this program. You got to go. Versus like, OK, you're tired because you know you went through something, or you're tired because you're working. And they understand, I think, that something like, I, so I say tired because I feel like a lot of the times in my career field, if you're an educator, they don't care. You have to show up. You have to be energetic. You have to ignore your tiredness. Um, Within this program, I think everybody kind of got it, and this is something that I'm realizing about the service industry as a whole, is that it's kind of like a come-as-you-are situation, and we accept you. And if you're just that unacceptable, you'll be bigger, we'll let you go. But like for the most part, we accept you as is, and I think that's something very new that I haven't experienced in other career fields. And it's not about drinking, it's not about what was taught to us, but it was an experience and what was felt in the program. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And, and you know, and you, you touch on something and we've talked about this on the show a lot and I'm not going to go too far down this road. Um, when we talk about trying to educate consumers about the service mm -hmm. industry, people don't realize how mentally exhausting it is to be on. Yeah. Like, and being a teacher, like you were saying, mm -hmm. you got to be on. Yeah. But when you're behind the bar, you got to be on. Yeah. Right. And I think that takes a psychological toll. Yeah. I think and, it's, it's an identity toll. Like, you yeah, know, and absolutely. it's like, who are you if you're constantly on? What does an authentic version of you look like if you're not wanting to be on and yet you have to betray yourself to be on? Right. Like, you know? Right. And I feel like there wasn't that betrayal within class at the very least. Like, I could come in and I could be like, look, I'm not about it today. Don't talk to me. Or I need to go into the corner and cry right now. Right. <laughs> and, they, and then Jeffrey would lead me into the theater, into the room, and be like, here, sit here and cry for 10 minutes. And then, like, come back into the group. And I think that that's just really important because as an educator, you can't learn if you're closed off. You can't learn if you don't feel safe in a space. Um, and I think being able to have safety there to just show up as is is very important. Awesome. Very cool. Cisco, what about you? Um, I actually had a pretty well, pretty good understanding of what the program was because um, Ari, the alumni, she was the one that told me about the program. And I've always been the type of person that when you're sticking your neck out for me, I want to make sure I'm 100% in on it because I don't want to like ruin anyone else's reputation. So I pretty much knew what I was walking into very bluntly. But the one thing that did surprise me, at least for me specifically, was uh, how deep this community is and how much we care for each other because I'm actually like a first generation Latino here my people immigrated here and for, from where if from uh, my mom's from Nicaragua my dad's from Honduras okay yeah they came, they came here very young when uh, they were still children so what a lot of people don't realize is like when, when we get here we kind of just stick with our people Latinos kind of just stay together we don't really like expand off and like try to like become essential in the community where we're at we kind of just want to stick together so that's one of the things that like when I got involved here, just seeing how much like support we had behind us really felt like I could really feel it. I remember towards the end of the program, I had a lot of stuff going on in my life personally that had me like 
I was very stressed out. Like the people around me could tell like something was going on with me and I was lucky to have these people. I remember specifically Tori and Jeffrey, they take me to the side and they'd ask me, you know, are you okay, are you good? Do you need a break or anything? Because at this point, you know, I have a job, I'm externing at another bar and I'm we're still doing the program and just having that support and just them calling me, texting me, or just taking me to the side in person. I just want to make sure you're still good. You know, I've heard a lot of things going on. It's that's the thing that surprised me the most. And even beyond them, just the alumni and after graduating and meeting more people, like you just see how like deep that community love is and how much they just want to support it. Even people outside of turning tables I've met came through and was like, Oh, I love the program. I've met Torrey, I've met Jeffrey. We're just here to support everything we can and just build y'all better. That's definitely for me the aspect that surprised me. Awesome. Very cool. Can I jump on that? Yeah, please. Go ahead. I think that's really important and kind of touches on what I was trying to say. It's like we could go to any bartending school and we can learn the same things we learned at Turning Tables. But what's different is that community aspect. Maybe not as good. Maybe not as thorough, but it's there. Like, you know, the education's out there. Um, I think it's like all three of us were encouraged to apply by people who were either in the program or associated with the program in some manner. And... I think when you have a program that is more word of mouth than billboard ads, like, you know, that says something a lot about the programming. Um, when you have alumni encouraged, we have alumni, this is like my thing of like working in nonprofits. If alumni keep coming back over and over again, then you're doing something right. Absolutely. If alumni go through your program and leave and like, I'm done, I'm not going back, then you're doing something very wrong. Right. So I do think that there is this community that you're built into and you get thrown into and I'm like sometimes that scares me sometimes that like I'm like I don't know if I want to be like community is overwhelming for me sometimes but I do think that is something that's very special about this and like you go out to pretty much any bar and I see somebody that I met through this program Um, it makes the city less lonely as somebody who's not from here Mm -hmm. so yeah awesome thank you Mm -hmm. Ture before we uh, close things out um, anything you want to add and then I'd actually ask you to tell people where to connect with turning tables you know Instagram and website and all that good stuff donations welcome when's applications for the next cohort you know all the 411 oh, so many things uh i think they it's, ca- it's just like bullets <laughs> man at this point <laughs> um they encapsulated so many things um but i just want to say uh you know so the next like as i said we're going twice a year next class starts in april um moving forward hopefully it's, it's it runs like that you know um We'll have the input of these individual individuals to, to make it better and to keep growing as an organization and doing things. Um, in the meantime, stay in tune to our journey on uh, our website, um, www.turntablesnola.org. Um, uh, curveball, our IG is turntablesnola. Nice. And our and our Facebook. Do you want to do this? I was going to say, do this in the low PBS voice. <laughs> uh, just, just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. Awesome. Friends, go check out the organization. It's fantastic. And uh, hey, the next time they do another cohort, we'll do this again. Uh, brief musical interlude, and I'll be back to close things out. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining me here on the program, friends, this time around. Happy to be back, be back, excuse me, bringing you new shows here in 2024. Thanks to 
all my friends, old and new with Turning Tables, another great interview with them. Uh, again, I said this at the top of the show and during the interview, and I'll say it again. It's just a great honor and privilege to chat with them and to uh, play a small role, I guess, in their in their journey as they've uh, gone on over the past five years. Uh, watch out for more big things to come. Uh, we were talking a little bit about some stuff they weren't quite ready to announce yet, but uh, when they do, we will let you know about it. And we always do programming with them throughout the year, not just sort of this um, annual show chatting with the recent graduates and stuff. So these guys will, they'll be back on uh, in one form or another uh, as we move forward here in uh, this year, in 2024. I'm not going to say the new year. I said that at the top of the show, it's too late. We're into February. Happy Mardi Gras, everybody. Happy Carnival. Uh, let me give, a, again, a special shout out to our friends at Bacchanal. Do go check them out uh, online. You can catch them at uh, bacchanalwine.com and uh, you can find them on the gram. As a matter of fact, if you go to our show notes on noladrinks.com, we have a link to their website as well as their Instagram account. I know we just ran down the uh, turning tables uh, contact info and where you can connect with them, but I'll say that again, it's turningtablesnola.org. And uh, also in the show notes, similarly, we have their uh, website linked as well as their Instagram account. Uh, donations welcome. There are many ways that you can actually support Turning Tables. And if you're somebody out there that um, uh, might be interested in applying for the program after hearing this show, go check out turningtables.org because uh, now they've gone to two times a year. So there are more opportunities for folks to go through this wonderful program and the journey that it sets you on uh, is amazing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, friends, we're going to be back with the show uh, shortly within the uh, next couple weeks or so thereabouts after we get through Mardi Gras and recover from Mardi Gras. We're going to be uh, over at Calliope Beer Works um, chatting with Rich Sidlow, who is their uh, owner and brewer, as well as my good friend, Chef Richard Papier. And we're talking about uh, beer pairing. And, you know, we've talked a lot about beer on the program before in all kinds of different uh, forms, shapes, topics, you know, very some deep dives really into beer. Uh, but this is and we've touched on pairings and stuff, but this is the first time we've kind of focused on pairing beer with food. And uh, it'll be an interesting conversation. So be on the lookout for that one, friends. Be sure to check out NOLA Drinks. We're at NOLA Drinks on Facebook and the Gram. And we are at NOLADrinks.com on the interwebs there. Hey, friends, thanks for listening in. Look forward to the next show. And we got lots more coming down the pike for you that we're lining up as we speak. But hey, as I always say, remember to be kind to one another, use your turn signal, put your shopping cart up, and when you're supposed to, hit reply all. Cheers, y'all. <laughs>